Be ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. This is kind of a continuation message from last week. We were talking about the power in the blood of the Lamb of God. There is incredible, incredible power. There's incredible authority that many times we don't really even understand. And so hopefully today and, and um, there'll be greater understanding and revelation because, man, we need to stand. We need to stand and appropriate, apply the blood of Yeshua, the precious Lamb of God, on our lives. And, you know, it's interesting because as we're looking at the, um, the Torah portions, and these are the Torah portions where most people tune out, okay? I admit, this is the Torah portions when you get into the end of... Exodus and in Leviticus, people tune out because they say, I don't want to, you know, it's just about the tabernacle, the Mishkan. It's called the Mishkan. And all these sacrifices, don't get all it. Don't get it all. But here, this is the important thing we need to know. God is a holy God. But yet he desires love and relationship with his people. But because he's a holy God, there is a prescribed protocol for us to approach him. And so... Torah lays out the protocol for us to approach him. And it's interesting because it hasn't changed. Still, today, the only way to approach a holy, loving, covenant-keeping God is through a protocol of shed blood. But this, we're so thankful, it's not today the shed blood of bulls and goats and lambs, but the precious shed blood of Yeshua, his only son. But the blood sacrifices in the Torah is because of God's holiness, but his desire for relationship with us. There needed to be a shedding of blood to come near. And the word to come near in Hebrew is karav, karav, karav. And, and we get that, the, the Hebrew word for sacrifice, korban, it's the same root. It's come near. So the whole thing about sacrifices is God desires for us to approach him, to come near, but because he's holy, to do it in a right way. And I've been sharing this for weeks and weeks and weeks. God is in the process of cleansing and purifying his body from perversion and false grace. All the things that are going on, I think one of the main reasons that all the shakings are going on is for us to wake up, to come awake, to be cleansed, to be purified, because he wants to impart his glory upon us. You know what glory in Hebrew is? Kavod. You know, kavod means weight, weightiness. He wants his weightiness to be upon us. So it's about a time for us to get rid of all of the stuff, the perversions and the false grace and the, the things that we tolerate. He's been saying this, come out. Come out from that system, the world system. Come out from where you're at. Come out from that place of sin and draw near to me. What are we tolerating in our midst? God is waking us up to these things. So this morning we're going to go back to looking at Romans chapter 6. You've been in this congregation any longer than a few weeks. You know I love the book of Romans. To me, 
part of the problem. I don't want to focus on problems, but part of the the problem in the body of Messiah is we don't really understand what Shaul is writing in these words. In Romans chapter 6, there's a question that he asks in verse 15. Last week, we talked about the first question is, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? And of course, we know the answer is, may it never be. No way. In verse 15, we have a second question here. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? You see, this question in itself presupposes that grace makes it impossible to live in habitual sin. And last week, if you remember, I talked about habitual sin, a lifestyle of sin. I'm not talking about us in our acts of behavior where we blow it, where we sin, where we, we confess, we repent, we receive cleansing. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I'm not saying that we can live sinless perfection, but what we're saying here and what Paul is saying in this letter is we do not need to live in habitual sin any longer because we have been fundamentally changed from the inside out. And when we get that understanding, we don't have to have an altar call every week and the same people going forward for cleansing and, and saying, man, I sinned this week and, and, and God's jumped out of me. God doesn't jump in and out of us. He's placed us into a new relationship. I talked about that new relationship through immersion, the word baptizo, where we are put into a new union with Yeshua. Everything is different. We don't have to live the way we were in habitual sin. As a matter of fact, he's changed our identity. We're no longer sinners in, in the nature of Adam, but we are born again, saints, kedushim, holy ones, by the blood of Yeshua. That is a huge difference. God's holy requirement, though, is still in effect. There has to be a blood sacrifice. There has to be. He says, be holy, because I'm holy. And so he sent Yeshua in the form of a man. God become man and shed his blood because man was given authority. Man was given Authority over all the planet of the earth, over, all the, all, over everything. And man forfeited that authority. But because of God's love, he wanted that authority back in man. So he sent Yeshua, who became a man, a sinless man. And it had to be a sinless man in order to win that authority back. There's so much in there. But I want to continue reading in Romans chapter 6. So read along with me. In verse 16. The question that Paul asks in verse 15, what then shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? May it never be. What a firm, just affirmative, no, it, ne it doesn't have to be. Starting in verse 16, let's read through verse 23. Do you not know that to whatever you yield yourselves as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to what you obey? whether to sin, resulting in death, or to obedience, resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that 
though you were slaves of sin, you were slaves of sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching under which you were placed. And after you were set free from sin, you become enslaved to righteousness. This is so powerful that we need to understand. You were this way, but then he says, you've been set free and now you are this way. Verse 19, I speak in human terms. Because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you yielded your body parts as slaves to uncleanness and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now yield your body parts as slaves to righteousness resulting in holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free from you were free with regard to righteousness. So then what outcome did you, did you have that you are now ashamed of? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become enslaved to God, you have your fruit resulting in holiness. And the outcome is eternal life. For sin's payment is death, but God's gracious gift is eternal life in Messiah Yeshua our Lord. So powerful. And what in fact he's saying is we have changed masters. We were under a king called sin, but he's been dethroned and now we have the nature of Yeshua living in our spirit, living inside of us, in our kishkas, in the ruach living inside of us. Now, I ask a question. Would God call us to be something that is impossible to be? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. In 1 Peter 1, verse 15, it says, Instead, just like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in everything you do. For it is written, Kedoshim, Holy Ones, you shall be, for I am Kadosh, holy. And you know what? Those scriptures that Peter is is that scripture in 1 Peter, he's just re referring back to Torah. He's referring back to Leviticus. And then Shaul, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 1, 2, 2, and this is how he addresses the communities. Every church, every kehilah, every community that Paul addresses, he always addresses the same way, to God's community in Corinth, Having been made holy, a done deal. Yeshua's blood made them holy, set apart, consecrated to God. No longer under the power of sin. That doesn't mean that we don't sin any longer, but we do not have to live in habitual sin any longer. Having been made holy in Messiah Yeshua by his blood, and that's why it's so important to understand the power of his blood, called as Kedoshim. We put names and labels on ourselves because of our actions, because of our behavior. We label ourselves. I'm unlovable. I'm bad. I'm this. I'm a drunk. I'm an alcoholic. I'm an addict. I'm this. I'm this. I'm this. And yet God says, no, I've called you to be holy. And I've put a name on you. You're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. Yes, everybody called you that. You yourself called you that. But I've given you a new name, a new identity. Do we get that? We have a new identity. 
It's different than we were. It's different than we were before. It's night and day. Yes, we're in the same earth suit. We're in the same body. But something has changed radically inside of us. The revelation of this truth will affect every area of our life. And this is why I believe, again, why God is allowing things to happen to us to to just, where are we going to find our hope? It's going to be in him. Where's the truth that we're looking for? Are you going to turn on CNN, Fox News, NBC and find truth? I don't think so. We're going to find it in his word and, 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 and enlightened by his Ruach HaKodesh. But when we have an understanding of our new identity, it will change our behavior, our worldview. We will have a better understanding of our calling and our hopes and our desires. See, 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 says, For God did not call us to impurity, but to holiness. It's a calling that we have in our lives. Not called to impurity, but to holy living. Does that mean that, oh, you know, we have this picture of the holy man. He's untouchable. He's up there on a mountain somewhere. He's holy because nobody can come near him. He doesn't do anything. He just stays where he's at. But yet God has called us to be light in a dark world. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect in everything we do, but we are still set apart. And the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit living in us, convicts us of sin. When we miss the mark, the Holy Spirit in us says, you know, Stu, you missed the mark on that one. What you said to your wife, and I would never say anything derogatory to my wife, but kind of quiet in here. That was a joke. That was a joke. No, but when the Holy Spirit says, when you said this or when you did this, I love you too much. That is not who you are. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, but also reminds us who we are so that we don't have to do it anymore. And there's always a way. We confess our sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And what else? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the Holy Spirit is there to remind us who we are in him. Too many of us have forgotten. We're Messianic Jews. We're Christians. And, and so we go to church. We go to congregation on Shabbat. We read the Bible. But has there been a change in us because of who we are now? It's not just a label we put on ourselves. It's a, it's a, it's a lifestyle change that takes place. You see, we're made, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. And this is written as a doxology. This is like a, a blessing over the people as, as Paul ends this letter. He says, now may the God of Shalom himself make you completely holy. Again, would God call us to be something that is impossible to be? And Paul is reaffirming this. May he make you completely holy and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept complete, blameless at the coming of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Faithful is the one who calls you, and he will make it happen. This is so important for us to understand. He is going to make it happen in us. But he also says you are made up of three parts. You have a spirit, you have a soul, and you have a body. 
And the Spirit is already kadosh. It's already consecrated to the Lord. Why? Because Yeshua, when I accepted, when I received whatever terminology you want to use, when I had an encounter with Yeshua and I turned my life over him, he took possession. My old, dead, unregenerated spirit was put on the cross that very same day, September 17, 1979. And he came up and took dwelling. He took habitation in my spirit. He's living in my spirit. That is where he is. Yeshua lives there. He can't tolerate sin where he lives. So in my spirit, I've been made perfect. You may have a trouble with that with theology, but look through the scriptures. When he is in my spirit, he's made my spirit perfect, holy, consecrated to him. But then Paul also mentions that our soul, that our soul would be made holy. And that's the work that's in process. What is the soul? It's made up of my mind, my thinker, my will, my chooser, and my... my um, my emotions, my feeler, okay? And because of events that have happened in our lives, because of things, you know, that we've understood, you know, our minds need to be renewed, right? All of us, we're still in process. You know, my mind is different than it was 30 years ago, five years ago, because it's in the process of being transformed by being renewed and being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit that's living in me already. My chooser, when I choose to walk in God's ways, that's up to me. I choose that. So that's being made holy. And in my, my feeler, my heart, my emotions, they're being healed. See, God, that's why God wants our hearts healed. You know, because so many of us, we're not to be led by our feelings, Right? But too many of us are led by our feelings. And when we're not consecrated in dealing with those hurt emotions, we will be led by our feelings and said by the spirit that lives in us. And then the third part that needs to be sanctified is the body. Living, yielded as a living, sacrificed. Don't defile our bodies. What are we doing with our bodies? Take care of this. But this is... We don't put all of our effort into this. Is, this is a temporary situation, this body that I have. Hallelujah. This is an earth suit. I can live on planet earth because of the gravity and stuff in this earth suit. But God says still, take care of it. So you see, we're body, soul, and spirit. And through the blood, and this is what Paul is saying in Romans, through the blood there is freedom in Messiah Yeshua. He doesn't put us under bondage. Don't come under legalism, but there's freedom to worship him. There's freedom to serve him. There's freedom now. I was a slave to sin. Now I'm a slave to righteousness, which means freedom. To use grace as a license to sin, which too many people do. Well, I'm under grace. I can do what I want. If I feel like doing it, it's okay. Because God is a gracious God. God is merciful. God is all that. Yes, he is. But it's stupid. It's just plain stupid to use grace and who he is as a license to do stuff that we know is not right for it to do. It's stupid. It's an assault on the blood of Yeshua that was shed on the tree. One time for all of us. 
2,000 years ago. He doesn't get back on the tree every week. Shed his blood. It's been done. And we're going to recognize that and remember that today as we take the Lord's Supper. It is so important to understand the hard work has already been done by Yeshua. His death, first of all, his sinless life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and ascension. It's made it possible for us to receive his spirit, his, the newness of life in our spirit. And he takes our old dead spirit and he gives us his spirit. That's the great exchange. That is awesome. Because of this new freedom, we can renew our minds in him. And we hide the, the word of God. And that's why I loved about the Torah portion today. We can hide the word of God in our hearts. One day, I just want us to just read all of Psalm 119. All 3,027 verses of it. I don't know how many verses there are. But it's just it talks about hiding the word in our heart. And so many of us think, well, you know what? I don't need to. Maybe I go to, I go to service on Shabbat or I go on Sunday and I get the word and that's going to get me through the week. No, it's God wants us more to, to, to just get through. He wants that, that word to be in our heart so that, you know, when we're in any situation, the word comes to our remembrance. The word that's here, the living Torah that's here in my spirit, it comes to my mind and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to choose not to walk after that sin over there because Yeshua is in me and I've been changed. I am the righteousness of God in Messiah. Hallelujah. I just want to read a prayer. I just want to do a prayer and, and, and I want us to prepare our hearts for, for taking the communion this morning, Messiah's table. So I'm going to ask us to stand. And if I can uh, have a couple of my elders to come on up here, Tom and and uh, and Russ, if you if you guys would come up here and just prepare to to um, distribute the elements. I just want us to close our eyes and receive this prayer as we prepare to commune with the Lord. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when, whenever you do this, do it in remembrance of me, of the Lord. So, Father, in Yeshua's name, we tear down every paradigm, every religious thought system that has exalted sin over the power of your son, Yeshua HaMashiach. We say that all victory, power, and authority is found in the blood shed on the cross. We remember that sacrifice today. We bind up every addiction and lies that have made provision for any and all sin in our lives today in the name of Yeshua and by the power of his blood we take authority over every addiction every bondage every lie we say thank you Lord that you break the power of those lies you demolish strongholds by who you are and by the blood shed on the tree 
We choose this day to walk according to the Ruach HaKodesh that's living inside of us here today. That's why the Messiah's table, it's for the believer. It's to be reminded who we are. It's not for the world. It's not for the unbeliever. It's for those who've put their faith in Yeshua. We choose this day to walk according to the Ruach HaKodesh, and we ask for your great grace to be our portion in the name that's above every name, Yeshua HaMashiach. Hallelujah. Let's just take a moment and just ask the Lord to search our hearts. If there's something that's going on in you that's just, I'm not worthy today. A sin. There's just something that's besetting you and it's and it's just, it's held you for too long. That doesn't mean God is, his love isn't there. He loves you so much, but he's saying, give that thing to me today. So whatever it is, maybe it's an anger issue. Maybe it's a fear issue. I don't know. Maybe it's just a, a feeling, just this overwhelming shame. Lord, I've done too many things in my life. I want you to take that with your eyes closed and just lift that up to the Lord. Lift that up to the Lord and say, Lord, I give you this. And thank you, Lord. I receive your love. I receive the newness of life. Lord, I thank you that you've broken every chain that has kept us in bondage. Every chain. Lord, you are demolishing strongholds of addiction right now. For those of us in this room and also those who are joining us live streaming, he is able to break every addiction. I know that. I was addicted for years, and God broke through. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the blood that was shed. Thank you for your broken body. And that's what we remember. As the priests would go into the holy place, there was a table of freshly baked bread. There was a menorah. There was a menorah of his light, his presence, but that bread is his, his body and broken for us. That Passover, as we look towards Passover and Yeshua said, take this, as he broke it and he said, this is my body, take it, eat it. Then, of course, the third cup of that night was a cup of redemption. Koskiola. Take this and drink this. So, Father, as we remember the great sacrifice on the tree that day, Lord, we bless you and we honor you. Amen. Amen. So I'm just going to have our brothers, if they would just... Um, distribute the um, elements and of course because of COVID they're the um, special there's the the wafers at the top when you peel it open and then you peel it open it's a little bit hard to do that but matter of fact why don't you all come on up just come on up here and receive it from the brothers up here 
And then go back to your seat. We'll take it all together. Hallelujah. Does everybody have the elements? I'm going to take the bread. Thank you, Lord, for your broken body. Pierced, broken. If you would just hold up the bread in your hand and just say, thank you, Lord. I want to say the prayer over the, the bread. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Hamotzi lechem min haaretz Amen Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe who brings forth bread from the earth. Thank you, Lord, that you are the bread of life come down from heaven. We thank you for your broken body in Yeshua's name. Amen. Let's take the bread. And the blood. Oh God, there had to be shedding of blood. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him would have eternal life. He gave his Son. John the Immerser, John the Baptist, when he saw Yeshua, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's the Lamb of God, it's the shed blood of Yeshua that takes away all the sin that's changed us from being a sinner to being sons and daughters of the Most High. That we can cry out, Abba, Father. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to speak a blessing over the cup. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Borei perihagafen Amen. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth the fruit of the vine. Lord, we thank you for your shed blood that has broken down every barrier. Your shed blood that has demolished every stronghold. Your shed blood that demolishes every addiction and sin in the name of Yeshua. That we can walk in freedom. That we can walk in victory. That we can walk in newness of life. Amen. Amen. Let's partake of the blood. Amen. L'chaim to life. I take the bread of life Broken for all my sin Your body crucified To make me whole again I will recall the cup Poured out in sacrifice To trade the sinner's end For your new covenant
dark salvation's road with fear and trembling your way born as my own as Christ is formed in me after the flesh anymore, to crucify those things that have been besetting us for a long time. I heard this quote the other day. What we don't crucify, we justify. 
The days of justifying and tolerating are over with. God says, take my blood and put it on that thing that's been harassing you for all these years. Put it to death. Galatians 5.24 says, you crucify the flesh. You crucify it. We have the ability now. You may be seated. I just want to finish things off here. We're going to continue and with worship after, but I just really want to bring this message to a close is the primary purpose, I believe, of the cleansing and the judgment. There is a judgment and a cleansing. And I mean this isn't a good thing. Judgment comes so that God can impart into his bride more of himself. And the judgment is not on us, but it's on the sin. It's on the, the things that we tolerate that are far from him. He wants to deal with that. He wants to bring cleansing. And why are all these things happening to wake up the ecclesia? Because I think we, I believe we need to walk in his purposes. First of all, Yeshua says, and this is a, a scripture that comes right out of actually in the, in the Torah. He says, Yeshua says about the house. And we know that talking about the temple, but also this house right here, the, the home of the Holy Spirit, this house might be a, become a house of prayer once again. Yeshua says, you have made it a den of thieves, a place of entertainment, a place of walking far from me. I want it to become a house of prayer once again. He wants these earth suits to become houses of prayer again. That's Mark eleven seventeen. Also, intimacy would be nurtured in our lives, in our congregations. That intimacy would be prioritized even over ministry to people. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm saying don't minister to people anymore. But first, develop a life of intimacy with the Lord. That place where we're coming to the Lord first and... I, I don't have time, but in Ezekiel chapter 44, in verse 15, you can look that up on your own, but Ezekiel 44, 15, he says, the real priests are the one that come to me to offer the sacrifices. They come to me first. It's not about them, you know, becoming big shots among the people. They came to the Lord and they ministered to the Lord. And those who ministered to the Lord first, that was their priority. It says later on, they were the ones who taught the people. They were the ones who instructed the people about how to walk in truth. So it's important that whatever ministry we're involved in comes out of a relationship with the Father first. And then we're able to minister to one another. So this is what God is doing, I believe, in the body today is restoring intimacy Man, he gave, us, he gave us an elongated Shabbat last year. You couldn't go out of your house. Did you make use of that time where you can just be in your own prayer closet, spending time with the Lord? I know Devorah did. Yeah. Spend that time. Is my focus in ministering comfort to people or to draw near to him? Well, see, when we draw near, we will also comfort people. When we draw near to him first, we will comfort people. I also believe that God is wanting to restore a fear of the Lord in his body. We've lost that. Because we have a desire to just, we want everybody to come in and we don't want to offend. We don't want to make somebody feel uncomfortable because we need to have people in our congregations, in our churches. And God says, but you left. 
your first love. He's restoring a fear of the Lord. Not a fear of, oh, I can't be anywhere near God, but a, a reverence of who he is and a desire to please him. That's what a fear of the Lord is. To be more concerned with what God is saying and doing than what I am observing around the world. Being more concerned about what God's opinion is than what man's opinion is. Dealing with the fear of man. Just want to read a scripture in Haggai chapter 2. Starting in verse 6. For thus says Adonai Tsevaot, In just a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations. The treasures of all the nations will come and fill this house with glory, says Adonai Sevaot. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. It is a declaration of Adonai Sevaot. I love this verse 9. The glory of this latter house will be greater than the former, says Adonai Sevaot. In this place I will grant shalom. It is a declaration of Adonai Sevaot. He wants to impart greater glory. That the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And what was the context that Haggai got this message? They had returned from exile in Babylon. They were back in Jerusalem. And they started rebuilding the walls. They started rebuilding the temples. But then their enemies came and attacked them. And they were really discouraged and tired. And they were giving up. Anybody ever felt like that in the last year? You just feel like, man, this is just too much. Feel like giving up. And so Haggai has this message from the Lord. The latter house will be greater. The, the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. In other words, be encouraged. God is doing some great things. And remember, we are the temple of the Ruach HaKodesh. It's a picture of an international body of Messiah, an international ecclesia, an echad, walking in shalom and peace with one another. That's why Millie and I, we have such a heart to reach out to other churches and, and congregations in the area. You know, they're doing wonderful things, and I want them to know God is doing some wonderful things up on this mountain too. And that's why we have a call to go to the nations also. We're going to Kenya. You know, this is, they're, they're brothers and sisters. They're, they're part of the body. And they can learn something from us, and we can learn something from them. Let me bring this message to a conclusion, and then we're going to have some worship. Just spend the remaining of the service just being in his presence, but... He's returning for his bride, a bride that's going to be without spot or wrinkle. And so this cleansing that we are all going through, anybody, I mean, am I just speaking to myself? This cleansing is for all of us. It's a God thing. It's a good thing. And this is something that I never saw before. You know, when you talk, people talk about Yeshua went in and he cleansed the temple. He cast out all the money changers, right? Actually, he did it twice. Do you, do you know that? I'm not getting any response. Did you know that? Yes, he did. I'm glad you asked. He did it at the beginning of his ministry. 
you read in John chapter 2, goes to a wedding. It's the beginning of his ministry. And then what does he do? He goes to Jerusalem, and it's about the time of the Passover. Matter of fact, it says in John chapter 2, verse 13, is the Jewish feast of Passover was near, so Yeshua went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found the merchants selling oxen, sheep, and doves. Also the money changers sitting there. Then he made a whip of cords and drove them all out of the temple, both the sheep and the oxen. He dumped out all the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables to those selling doves. He said, get these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The beginning of his ministry, he says, this temple has to be cleansed. And then at the end of his ministry in Matthew chapter 21, verse 12, he went into the temple again. This is just before he went to the cross. Drove out all the selling and the buying in the temple. He overturned the temples of the money changers and the seats of those selling doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. He's cleansing his temple today because he is preparing to return soon. I believe that. A shift is happening today in our midst. I really believe it. Let God give you eyes to see what he's doing right now. Entertainment, people pleasing. There's nothing wrong with entertainment, but the house of God is to be a place of intercession, prayer, devotion, and worship to the King of Kings. It's become polluted in a lot of ways. But the shift that's happening is from entertainment and people-pleasing to pure devotion of Yeshua. He's calling us to a life of pure devotion in the temple, in this house, but also in this house. Pure devotion. It's a place of intercession to the Lord. A place of standing in the gap, just as Moses did, face-to-face with God. He says, get out of the way, Moses. I'm going to do Destroy these people. I'm going to start again with you, Moses. And Moses said, no, don't do that. These are your people. In other words, he was an intercessor. There's a model. There's an example. There is a a paradigm for us to be intercessors. That's what I say. We had just a wonderful time of prayer this morning. I want to see more prayer. The Lord's really been speaking to me. You know, we were going out every week to the Capitol. And I want to start going out and praying walking and praying and as we were in this meeting yesterday in one of the state offices and we were talking about you know we need to get out we need to get the body out we look at numbers and I'm not talking about numbers I'm talking about people who are purely devoted to Yeshua going out and walking and as they walk they declare and they're proclaiming that land and taking it back from the enemy and it starts in prayer it starts in intercession I believe He wants us to to get back into that. So in closing, and just as we prepare to worship, would you stand with me? Psalm 27.4. I love this verse. We read it last week. One thing I have asked of Adonai, the Lord, that I will seek 
to dwell in the house of Adonai all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of Adonai and to meditate in his temple. He's calling us to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate on him. Amen.